Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. I'm sure all of us have had situations come up in our life where we wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Or you needed Jesus to, in a still, small voice, a quiet voice, you needed him to speak, and you needed him to show up, show out. You know, life sometimes is not the easiest thing for us to experience, but there are times when we wonder, you know, God, do you have a definite plan? And I, I want to talk about that today. God does have a definite plan. And I want you to understand that you have a decision in that matter. I realize that different people believe different things. There are those that you will run up on that will tell you that you're born into this world. And what happens to you is going to happen no matter what. <clears throat> and it's already pre-wound up and determined what you're going to do. Well, I'll put it this way. God knows through his knowledge, called foreknowledge, what you're going to do. But when it comes to predetermined that my God has it an attendo, and he's already punched in and said, Mike Franklin is going to get saved, but John Doe across the way, I'm sending him to hell. Now, believe it or not, there are people who believe that and teach that. Unfortunately, Mike Franklin cannot believe that because the Bible says, for whosoever will may come. In other words, we do have a decision. And that decision is God has done everything that he possibly can for you and I to make a way. So that when you check out of here, you check in to the next place, and it's going to be the best place you've ever been in your life. But you have the choice and a decision. And we're going to see it today. Guess what? You may not go there. And if you have not received the free gift of salvation, if you have not been Saved, the Bible talks about. John 3 talks about being born from above, born again. Then don't expect when you die, five seconds after you wake, your, your eyes are open, if you even get a chance to close them, that you're going to be in heaven. Now, the cool thing about, now I'm reading out of the New Living Translation this morning, but the cool thing about this starts, it says Jesus said. Now, I kind of like that because that means, guess what? What I'm fixing to read to you is not my interpretation. It's not my belief, even though I believe it. I didn't write it. I just get the joy to preach it, but I preach this with a little burden in my heart. Because I know that there are going to be people and possibly family members of mine that have already died and they're not in heaven. And ladies and gentlemen, I've been reading the Bible for a long time, and I've read it eight to ten times through, and I cannot find one verse that says that once I leave this earth, 
and I end up in hell, that I have an opportunity to correct that. You don't. You got one shot. You got one chance. And you can get it right here now, or you can mess it up for eternity. Jesus said, now what did he say? There was a certain rich man who was splendidly, verse 19, Luke 16, clothed, who lived each day in luxury. Now, last month, I mean, last week, it's kind of ironic that I preached on money. And, and some of you, you do live in luxury. You just won't admit it. Because I'm going to show you the opposite of luxury. And it's not a pretty sight. And I don't believe anybody in here that I'm aware of lives like that. At the rich man's door lie or lay a deceased, a diseased, excuse me. I need a new set of glasses this year. A a diseased beggar named Lazarus. At Lazarus, as Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps from the rich man's table. You know what he wanted? All he wanted was the garbage. Now, let me ask you something. If you had to pray last year at any point in time that you get some garbage to eat? No, I have a feeling that in here, and don't think I'm being mean, I'm just being truthful, that you're so picky (coughs) that you go to the grocery store and pick out, actually pick out what you're going to pick out and take home. You choose it. We're spoiled. Now, some of you would never shop where I shop. But I shop at Food Depot. Now, some of you, I ain't going in that old place. Well, then don't. Go spend all them high prices at Ingles and Kroger's if you want to. You spoil crew. Go ahead. Lazarus, the Bible said, was... So poor that the dogs would come and lick his open wounds, his open sores. Finally, the beggar died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and he was buried and his soul went to the place of the dead, which the King James Version says is hell. And some of you go, well, hell, this is the state of mind. Oh, yeah, well, we'll look here. We'll see if it's just the state of mind. God's plan is is a distinctive plan. It's a definite plan. Psalms 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death. Now, I don't think any of you in here right now will say, Yep. To me, it's exciting because I'm going to die. Nah. Too many of you trying to live. You ain't thinking about death, but some of y'all. And what I want you to understand is that for a believer, death will be a privilege. It will be a promotion. There ain't nothing here better than where we're going. Nothing. 
The best of the best that you have is nothing but garbage on heaven's table. And some of you got some good stuff. 1 Corinthians 15, 50, Paul said, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You know what that means? That we've got to die. Now, I don't know what kind of body you have if you end up with it in hell. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. It knows pain. It knows torment. And the scripture says it is the place where the worm dieth not. Now, what's that mean? It means that in hell, you'll have maggots eating on you 24-7 and you don't die. Anybody ever been out wading in a creek and come up out of the creek and have something slimy and black on your feet? You know what that was? It's a blood-sucking leech. A leech! Well, most people freak out when they see all them on them. Could you imagine if maggots was eating through your flesh and you didn't die? You see, Jesus said there were two men here. He, he portrays how they lived and how they died. He said one was poor and one was rich, but both men died. The rich man went to hell and the beggar went to heaven. The rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. And the beggar didn't go to heaven because he was poor. The rich man went to hell because he had not, and it's the same today, he did not accept the free gift of salvation. He did not accept faith in the Father. He didn't do it. Where on the other hand, the poor man went to heaven because he did. There was a man who left the snow field. By the way, it's, uh, have, any, have you all got any y'all got any uh, snapshots coming off on your Facebook of what they're seeing up in Gatlinburg? Snow everywhere on skis. Well, you'd hope there would be big dummies up there trying to ski on dirt. That wouldn't work. But this man who left the snowfield streets of Chicago for a vacation in Florida, his wife was on a business trip. And was planning to meet him the next day. When he reached his hotel, he thought he would just send his wife a quick email. But he forgot the paper that he wrote the email down. So he tried to recall the email from memory and he missed one letter. Unfortunately, he sent mistakenly the note to an elderly woman whose husband had just passed away the day before. When the grieving widow checked her email, she took one look at the monitor, monitor, read the message, let out a scream, and fell to the floor in a dead faint. The family come running in and read on her computer screen this message. Dearest wife, just got checked in. Everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Your loving husband, P.S., It sure is hot down here. Now, the fact of it is, this is a hot topic. This is not a pleasant topic unless you're a believer. 
My goal in preaching this message is not to make you doubt your salvation. Because 1 John, I think it is 5, says that we're to know that we what? Have eternal life. Now, if you don't know it, you need to doubt it. And if the Holy Spirit sets that up in you today, settle it before you die. You'll be glad you did. Luke 16, 19 is definitely a topic where if we fail to listen to God's plan, to follow God's plan, to accept God's plan, you're going to end up on a vacation for eternity that I promise you will be beyond just a hot day on the beach. People are living today as if there is no plan, if they have no purpose, and that God is just off in the horizon somewhere, and really, we just shouldn't take life serious, especially after death at all. Well, first of all, God's plan involves the reality of death. Look at, listen to 2 Peter 3, 9. The first concept, God's plan involves the reality of death. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise or plan to return. As some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. Listen, listen hear that word perish because I'm going to read it in another familiar verse. What, is, what does it mean to Perish. So he's given us more time for everyone to repent. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not, there it is again, what? Perish. What's he talking about? You see a vivid definition and mental picture and image of somebody in the Bible that is perishing Through the rich man. That's exactly what that word perish means. Perish means when you die, you end up in a place called hell. Now, in my day, which was a long time ago, when I was a teenager in the 1970s, that was my glory days. I was a teenager. John Lennon, a former Beatle, had a smash hit in the earlier 70s with a song that included these words. words, Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us and above us, only sky. Now, I wish I could believe that, but that's about as big a bunch of garbage when he wrote it and when he sang it as I read it today. Why? Because Jesus said, Not what I'm preaching. It's because of what Jesus said. There is a hell. And there is a heaven. And he created them both. You say, well, now, wait a minute. You mean Jesus created hell for non-believers? No. He created hell for Lucifer, for Beelzebub, for uh, for Satan, and all his demons that failed. Unfortunately... There's only two places to go after you die. Now, some of you say, yeah, but I'm still of that Catholic descent. I believe in purgatory. Well, just believe it if you want to, but you ain't going to purgatory after you die. You're going to hell or heaven. 
Sounded like a woman changing my voice. (laughs) Jesus said, there is a hell. Some people believe if there's a hell, it's just a hell that we created on earth, and it's a hell in our minds. (laughs) One woman was all tore up. She went to her mother crying, and she said, Mom, Mama, I can't marry John. His mama said, why? She goes, his religion believes there is no hell. Her mother said, oh, go ahead and marry him. He'll find out later on. Well, I don't know if you've had hell since you got married or not, but it ain't near the hell that's coming to those that don't believe. And if they die without Jesus. You see, the Bible tells us in verse 19 that this man was a man of power, a man of prominence, and prestige. He dressed like a king. He died like a king. He fared, verse 19, sumptuously every day, which literally means he lived it up. Some of you here today, you think, man, I just want to get the gusto of life. I just want to live it up. And some of you are saying, you need to preach this to the teenagers. Oh, they're going to learn this, whether they like it or not. You can live it up. I had a man tell me one time, sow your wild oats while you're young so you can learn about life. That's about the sorriest, the most pitiful bit of advice I ever got. I'm going to tell you why. Ever wild oat that I ever sowed. You know what Satan does with that thing? Anybody in here won't be honest? If your wife ain't with you or your husband ain't here, you can. You might get you in block knocked off if you but you know what Satan does with those wild oats? Hello. Hello. Don't want to tell it, do you? You don't forget those wild oats, do you? Wild oats come back to haunt you. They haunt you. So don't tell anybody that it's wonderful when you're young to sell your wild oats. They don't need to sow well. They need to get rid of They need to stay away from those wild oats. And then you don't have the junk goes on in your head because your mind is nothing but a tape recorder. Sure is off quiet here. Anyway, he, he had a banquet meal. He had prime rib for breakfast and lobster for lunch and T-bone for dinner. And he lived in luxury and wallowed in wealth and he had everything that money could buy. Some of you just sit and drool over that thought. I just wished I had enough money to do what I want. wouldn't help you. Not when it comes to eternal life. You can't buy salvation. There ain't enough money in God's earth to buy it. You have to receive it because it's free. It's a gift. It's His mercy and grace that He's provided for you and me. 
<clears throat> Jesus made an interesting observation in Matthew 19. In verse 23 and 24, he says, it's very hard for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. You say, wait a minute, Mike. I thought you said that rich people can go to heaven. They can't. That ain't what Jesus is saying. He said, it's hard for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because he got a lot of money? No. He then went on to say, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why is that so? Because the more money you have, the more chances that you have of being blinded. Now, honestly, I'm going to be transparent. I have never prayed, knelt or cried a cry or a tear on these steps and prayed that God make me poor. I ain't never prayed that prayer. Well, I'll tell you one I have prayed. Solomon, I think it was. I can't remember now who said it, prayed it. Lord, don't let me be so poor that I'm tempted to rob and steal or so rich that I forget you. Lord, just somewhere put me in the middle where my focus will be on you, Jesus. And I can honor and learn. And you have to learn this. Some of you had not learned it yet while you're stressed out. To budget your money. You don't have to budget. That's why you can't tithe. I ain't preaching on tithing. I just want to throw that out there. Wealth can blind the eyes of even God's people. Some of you are not rich because you can't handle it. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says those who love money will never have enough. We heard that last week. In verse 11, it says, the more you have, the more people show up to help you spend it. <laughs> now, I believe that. Amen. The rich are always worrying and seldom get a good night's sleep. Well, I don't get that anyway and don't have anything to do with money. Ecclesiastes 6, 9 says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about a nice things is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Ecclesiastes 7, 14 says, enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize both of them come from God. Say, I don't believe God would make you poor. Well, I didn't say he made Lazarus poor. Lazarus just what? He dirt poor. And that's why I'm saying some of you do not have to Look at your daily supply from the standpoint of desiring garbage from any man's table. I hope not. Right now, as long as the food building's up, we'll straighten that out. This man was poor. But not poor enough to where he didn't have faith. And the heavenly father. Lazarus was so poor he couldn't even afford to pay attention. He was a cripple. He had nothing to eat. It seemed like his sores and ulcers were eating alive daily. He had no money for food, for medicine, or for doctors. He was as poor as the other man was rich. But the greatest difference between the two men is not whether one was rich and one was poor. 
God does not condone poverty, nor does he condone plenty. Some of the greatest godly men in the Bible, such as Job, who was the Ben Cartwright of the day, Joseph, a prime minister of Egypt, David and Solomon were two of the richest rulers who ever lived, but they had a deep love for God. The difference between these two men is not what they owned, but what owned them. What owns you today? What owns you? The word Lazarus or the name Lazarus literally means in God I trust. Is that true about you? Yes, I trust God. Well, it might come to some point in your life that that may truly get tested. It's easy to say, I trust God if you got a million dollars in the bank. Even if you got $5,000 in the bank, I trust God. But one of you is in the whole $5,000. Are you willing to stick that chest out there? I trust You can trust it as long as you have it. Easier, isn't it? Oh, come on. Do this. It's easy to trust God when you got it. It ain't so easy to trust sometimes when you're in shape of Lazarus. You cry the blues. Good. Notice when the rich or when... The beggar died. Son, angels carried him to heaven. Pretty good. The Bible says that ministering saints and angels or angels come to receive. So if you die or are fixing to die and you see somebody show up, don't get spooked. They just get, they coming to get you. They don't want you to get lost. The rich man died. Five seconds later, nobody came to get him. He immediately ended up in the place of the dead. Hell itself. So God has a plan, and it involves reality of death, but second of all, it involves the results of a decision. When the rich man died and was buried, his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment... The rich man saw Lazarus in a far distance off, and he saw the poor man in the bosom of Abraham. That says in hell you can see. He was able You say, well, can, 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 can the people in heaven see us now? I don't know, but in hell, they were able to see the ones up there. All of a sudden, Abraham said, now look. What do you want? He said, I just want the poor man, Lazarus, to come and dip the tip of his finger in some water to cool the torment in my tongue. This was the dude that hardly recognized the poor man outside of his door desiring the garbage from his table. Let me tell you something. We may not be spiritual now, but I'm going to tell you one thing in hell it's going to happen. 
you're going to get all spiritually fired up. Bar the pun. In different ways. Not only are you going to be fired from hell itself, but all of a sudden, you're going to realize the decision that you made. And you make it. Wasn't the right one. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8 that when we die, that is as a believer, absent from this body, the Bible says, is present with who? With the Lord. You say, where am I going to go when I die? You're going to go, you're going to right with, if you're a believer, you're going to be with Jesus. And Jesus is in the third heaven. That's where all your believers are, right? I mean, all your people that you loved and all those who knew Jesus and all those we loved and all those we know, that's where they're at. They're with Jesus. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Am I going somewhere, Mike? Five minutes after I die? It ain't going to be that long. Seconds. Blink your eye and you'll be there. Then thirdly, God's plan involved a reaction of desperation. Notice, he cried out unto Lazarus. Not only was he concerned about his welfare, he was thirsty. But he said, Abraham. Let Lazarus come back from the dead and go and tell my five brothers about Jesus. Because if they don't learn about Jesus, they're coming to this awful place of torment. I got news for you. We still got a chance. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be concerned about our family members. We need to be concerned about those that have not accepted Jesus. I'm not talking about a form of religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about being baptized. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about Jesus being in your heart and in your life. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's the only hope you've got. He's either there or he ain't. You say, Mike, you're causing me to doubt. I'm sorry, but if you don't know, you need to get it right. I wouldn't wait till I died to try to figure it all out. Too late. Too late. He was concerned about in his father's house, his five brothers. He probably hadn't given them one thought, not one thought while he was on earth care he had all that money he didn't care he didn't care about Lazarus he didn't care about his brothers until it got real and one day everything that we are about everything we say the Bible says everything that we do is going to get real because it's coming back to us The Bible says we're not accountable under the blood, but we're definitely going to give an account of every idle word and deed. 
Billy Graham said that when he was preaching on hell in London, England, a man came up to him after the crusade, and he asked him a question. He said, Dr. Graham, do you really believe what you just preached tonight on hell? He says, well, sure, I really believe what I preached on tonight. He said, it's in the Bible. Yes, I believe it. He said, why do you ask? He said, if I believed on hell like you preached tonight, then I would crawl across England on my hands and knees over broken glass to tell people that, might not, that they might not have to go to that terrible place. I want you to think about that a minute. Why are we not more concerned about the lost? And I'm not talking about judging them. I'm not talking about playing Mr. and Mrs. Holy Spirit. I'm talking about just simply telling them that if we would just confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised his son from the dead, We can be saved. For you see, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And then Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, listen to this, shall be saved. Saved from what? Perishing. Hell. That's what we're saved from. That's a reality. Why? Jesus said, not Mike Franklin. Jesus said all this. Now, he's either telling the truth or he's telling a lie. I'm not banking on this being a lie. (laughs) I'm banking on this being the truth. And if it's the truth, What in the heck is wrong with the church today? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? You know what? We we try to straighten out the body of Christ. We try to tell everybody what to do and not do. Man, let me tell you something. If you're saved, Holy Spirit's going to do that. Sure does it in my life. I tell you what we need to be busy doing is telling everybody, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is being slow about his return. Why? So that we would repent and be saved because he didn't want any of us to do what? Perish. That's God's heart. But he gave you a decision. Don't wait until you get to hell or eternity. Some people say, you think that people are going to be concerned about those in hell that end up in heaven? It's a good question. You want to know the answer? Go look biblically when Jesus or the Father finally wipes away the tears in heaven. Because it ain't when you die. Lazarus knew all about. Um, yeah. Lazarus knew all about. Rich man. 
Don't miss an important thing. It's in the scripture, and please don't miss this. There's a lot of messages that I'll be preaching this year, but I don't know of anyone any more important than the love of Jesus and knowing where you're going if you die. I promise you, after you quit breathing on this side of heaven, you will be glad somebody told you or you heard about the gospel of Jesus. With your head.